So we've been studying sanctification, so I like to start uh, with a, a recap, a recap just to see if everybody's been, you know, remembering anything from what's been said. And the more we recap, the more we remember, uh, people say. So let's start with uh, what is sanctification? Well, I say literally it means to be set apart. To be set apart. All right. To be set apart. Uh, okay. And in the case of uh, the believers, does it have a more specific meaning? From for me, from what <clears throat> for me, from what I've gotten out of it, like it's a process that we going through that the Lord is in charge of, and He's He's justified us in us on this process to get to where we need to be um, in order to you know get, get rid of a lot of the sin in our life and uh, essentially become becoming more like him awesome all right very nice definition um, and that answered some of my other recap questions like so whose responsibility is it no whose work is it that was my next question. Whose work is it? We already heard the answer. Whose work is it? God's work. So God is the uh, one who makes it happen. <clears throat> God is the driving force behind it. Um, and then we have this uh, trickier question maybe. Whose responsibility is it? I think we also heard a little of that in the answer there. Whose responsibility is it? It's God's work. We do have responsibility. We have some responsibility. So we say it's a shared responsibility. Yeah. This is where us humans start to get a, uh, a little shaky around sanctification, right? Because we're used to things being one thing or another thing. And if you're responsible, then I'm not. Because that's what responsible means. <clears throat> right? And uh, we talked about how we divide up chores at the office. If you're responsible for that, then I'm not responsible for that. But uh, in the case of sanctification, even though God is doing the work, and therefore you could say, well, he's responsible, it's his job, <clears throat> we have uh, some part of that responsibility. We have a shared responsibility. What was the word you guys used for that mono something? Uh, uh, mono, that might be mono or, or monogistic. Monogistic. I think it's monerd which means of one person working, monerg, monergistic. Okay, so um, God is doing the work. God's actually the making it happen. So another way of, that uh, I've heard people describe this is that we can, we have a responsibility to cooperate. <laughs> we, have a, we have a responsibility to cooperate. And um, uh, we have a, a responsibility to uh, to seek him to help us to do, to do it to seek him to do it in us to seek him to do it in us uh, <clears throat> excuse me um, okay it, now now from some more we, recent weeks uh, let me ask this uh, recap question is it easy is it easy is the process of sanctification easy no for us I hear, I hear one Maybe book for no. Okay. No, it's not easy for us. We, uh, there was a lesson Danny taught, I think, called plain sailing, which I learned later was, is a British term for, you know, easy. <laughs> Nothing tricky about it. Smooth water, light wind. Okay. Um, and we said no. Um, why, why is it not easy? Because we fight against our flesh. We fight against our flesh. So we have, uh, we are opposed, and God is opposed uh, by our flesh and uh, some other stuff we'll talk about today. We're going to get a little more uh, into that area today. Um, and then uh, from last week, uh, so uh, specifically, 
mentioned it in that great definition, fighting sin. That was from last week. Um, I wasn't here, but I listened to it on the recording. Uh, so, how do we fight sin? I think last week we talked about this. My understanding is you walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And flesh is what we're actually fighting because we've walked in it for so many years. It's just natural to us. And so when we now are a new person in Christ, we're in the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit and we won't fulfill these because I believe He makes it makes us able to recognize before we were a slave to sin and to Satan. Mm -hmm. And he could put thoughts in our mind. We thought they were ours. Mm -hmm. And he was delighted by that. And so it's just very difficult to, as a new creature, like you, when you come as a, in the flesh, you're, quarrel, you're not crawling to begin with, mm -hmm. much less are standing up walking, not yeah. thinking for yourself. Sure. And it's the same with the Spirit. Sure. But that's... Walking in the Spirit. So that's a that's a, a means for uh, reducing uh, sin in our lives, reducing the occurrences of sin. Walking in the spirit, uh, and what were some? Did y'all talk about some examples of uh, walking in the spirit? What does that look like? How do we do that? Talk about that. I'm going to talk about that some more in some upcoming weeks. Okay, walking in the spirit. Um, I think we then uh, what I was looking at it, it talked about some specific things that are advised in the scriptures. So sp spending time uh, in the scriptures and uh, listening, uh, seeking seeking the teachings of the scriptures can uh, help us walk in the spirit. It, this spirit takes that in and and uses it to change us, right? That comes in through our ears, but the Spirit uses it to get into our hearts and our minds and then our hearts. Uh, stuff we didn't, wouldn't understand, but now somehow because of the Spirit, we understand it and it makes sense to us and we can obey or act on it. Um, s some of those fighting sin uh, techniques are like, well, you know, don't go where it's happening. <laughs> <clears throat> don't go where it's happening you know if you know hey you know, in this area I'm tempted I've been tempted in the past don't go to that area right so you can do some practical stuff to fight sin um, and that's not our topic for this morning but uh, but I think that's a practical uh, a, a line of thinking uh, final recap question about sanctification that maybe gets into our topic this morning, although I'm calling it a recap question. That is, uh, how do we know it's happening? How do we know uh, this process is happening to ourselves? Let's say to ourselves. For me, it's um, you have more. You're having more uh, or less time when you're having to ask the Lord forgiveness over again. You just you just stay in the in the groove and and you're you're not having so many times where you feel like ah, I fail again. Mm-hmm. Sure. Great. Great example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I think might might have been talked on touched on last week. You 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 might notice that to, in some regards, at least, you're sinning less. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't make you less of a sinner. <laughs> that's, a, that's the human tendency. I'm sinning less, therefore I am less of a sinner, especially compared to that other person, right? So I'm sinning less, so I must be less of a sinner. I'm great. Okay, so... It's uh, no, encouraging, though. It is encouraging. It is encouraging, and actually, that the encouragement of that, I think, is one of the uh, you know upward spiral kind of reinforcing that it is true and it is happening, and uh, you know uh, the Holy Spirit is active in me, 
because I just I noticed that I you know I used to have more of a problem with such and such a sin than I do now. For example, all right. What's another way we might detect in ourselves or even in other people, but mostly in ourselves, that this process is actually progressing? On the flip side of what you were saying, I found that um, maybe you're you find yourself, oh, I'm not struggling with this big, huge sin that I was dealing with. Uh, on the flip side, I find myself more often convicted of sin. More often. And sin that was deeper underneath, sin that I wasn't even aware that was there. Motives of mine that I didn't yeah. notice. Sort of more sensitivity. Yeah. yeah, more sensitivity to sin. Mm. Realizing, oh, that's not good. And, oh, I've been doing that. I've been doing that, you know, wait a minute. You know, I just didn't even think of that as a the problem that I now see that it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great example of the Holy Spirit working in us. One of the main jobs, and we've touched on this several times in the class of the Holy Spirit, is to convict us of sin, to make us more aware of our sin. And, uh, and to, I mean, we like to rationalize our sin. So I think the Spirit makes us notice that what we're doing right this second is rationalizing something. And if you've been rationalizing something for years, that can be like a light bulb going off when all of a sudden your rationalization is, is undercut by the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, we can almost see them like they do in, you know, in TV shows. Really? You know, really? No, I didn't say it right. Really? <laughs> That's your argument. Okay, really? So... Um, so we can, so we can, we can detect this and we talk about not only sin, but fruits of the spirit, right? So love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, uh, we see increasing, uh, incidents, evidence of those things in our lives. And I think especially when we feel like we weren't faking it when it happened. You know, I mean, people can be kind without the Holy Spirit, uh, but not, you know, not, not God's way of kind. Right? So we see growth in those fruits of the Spirit also. All right, well, that's a great recap. Everyone's been paying a lot of attention, I can tell. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed last week. So uh, this week we're going to talk about the, something uh, we'll call expectations. We kind of build on some of the discussion we've had. Uh, expectations. That's why I wanted to talk about signs that it's happening. Uh, so expectations, the question might be, okay, what progress can we, should we expect to see in our sanctification over the course of our lives? What progress should we expect to see? Uh how much should we increasingly conform to the image of Christ over time? Uh, that's going to be our, our, our subject. Now, we're uh, human, so if something's supposed to make progress, we like to see it happen. And uh, I come from a line of work, and my line of work has a lot of frequently spend time trying to measure the progress of something. So we, you know, we start something, uh, we'll have a, we make a lot of these. We'll have something like this, and we'll have a measurement. Um, we have a measurement I'm working with right now called CSAT. That's customer satisfaction. You know those surveys you get after you have an interaction with a helpline? Say something like on the scale of one to... 10, how did we do? Sometimes it's just a, did we do okay? Not so good. Those are CSAT surveys. And behind that are people like me looking at the data saying, uh, so how are we doing on CSAT? And maybe we started the year with like a 77% satisfied down here. 77% satisfied with your service, if you're a service company. It's not that, not that good a score. <laughs> it's not that good a score. All right. Uh, suppose every, uh, suppose the gas station you went to, somehow your experience at that station started being not good enough, like one out of every five times you went there. You stopped going there. 
All right, so we measure these things, and uh, we expect uh, that we start trying to change stuff that happens to people when we're doing work for them, and we expect that over the months, you know, it goes like this until it's over some goal, like say 90%. And then we think, okay, all right, we did a lot of work on that. We changed the way, uh, the, you know, changed what the website looks like. And we changed the uh, phrasing our, our agents use when they answer the phone. And so now we're up here and, you know, we're kind of hovering around our goal or even staying mostly above it. And so we're done. We must have better things to work on now because we've gotten it to where it's good enough. Okay? So that's how simplification should be. Class over. Simplification <laughs> <laughs> uh, or Six Sigma? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, we've got a goal, and we like to keep working on something until we're above the goal. Uh, another kind of project we're, fin we're very uh, familiar with um, is uh, uh, like uh, what would it be like uh, a construction project or we're gonna paint uh, Stephanie and I recently like redecorated our daughter's room since she moved out a long time ago <laughs> still had big green letters down the wall of her name <laughs> it was not you know it was like if you had guests saying in there like one day I had to go in there to do my I work from home and I had to go in there to work for the day because my office was going to be just under some kind of disruption people were staying your down brother there. was staying there. that's right Doug died talk about disruption <laughs> my office. and uh, so I had to work for Marina's old room and people were saying hey Sheldon What's those letters on the wall behind and video all day? So, all right. So that's my daughter's name. So we redecorated. And, you know, it's X amount of steps. You say, we're going to go to Home Depot and get these things. And we go back about 10 times to get the thing we didn't think of. And uh, so we keep going, keep going, going back to Home Depot. We're doing another coat. We're looking at, didn't, the, the, we didn't, I got the wrong, I got the colored paint on the white paint of the ceiling. I got to paint over that. Eventually, it's done. So, in that case, we got a kind of project with steps, you know, lots of steps. And uh, you could say, uh, you know, we start here, it's not done, 0% converted to the new room. And we go through all these steps, and finally, it is finished. Which is a good feeling, it's finished. So we're trying to improve something, and, uh, it, and it's defined what it, what it looks like at the end. Mm -hmm. So when you get there, it's done. And we like that. We like that. Um, <clears throat> but isn't there also the, especially in this case where we talk about, as we improve, it seems like something else kind of falls off the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. That's a good example for where we're headed on our discussion of sanctification. Um, like, for example, Phoebe's example where we said, uh, hey, um, if I can get stop doing this, that's pretty much, that's my main problem. I'm going to get done doing that. And then when we get there, we just realized that there's a lot of other problems we weren't even seeing before. And uh, and to and then they don't and that really might even say hmm uh, I almost might feel like a setback like if our rationale all of a sudden gets undercut something that hasn't been bothering us and the Holy Spirit says okay now it's gonna bother you one other thing I could see like in this case yeah. would be like I would be having a little bit of idle time before all this started and um, that would result in certain types of failures and then in this case where I'm starting to do some work I get a little impatient and mm -hmm. then I gotta wor worry about a different set of problems that I haven't used yeah. skills for a while yeah 
Well, even the example from last week, maybe the battle. Like we're in a battle. We talked, in fact, for several weeks. We've mentioned the sanctification is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's a fight. It's a battle. We got a war going on over there in the Ukraine. We're thinking, even battles, we expect to get over. And if we lose a a, a battle, we still think that eventually the war is going to be over. We're going to have another battle. We're going to try to push things in the right direction. And, Sooner or later, the war is going to be over. Certainly, the battle will be over. This, you know, in the old days, it's going to be over when night falls because you can't see anything, right? So they would the battle would be over at nightfall, and the campfires would light up. Read these stories of the Civil War. It's like wow. It's like everybody went to work. Some people didn't come home that day, but then everybody was around the campfires. Overnight, nothing happened. And we expect battles to end. We expect wars to end. <clears throat> So if sanctification is a battle, we might expect it to end. Um, <clears throat> but can we expect our battle with sin to end? Everybody, no, there's a no. I won. I got a no over here. Can we expect our battle with sin to end? One day. Yes. yes. One day, not in this life, right? right? <laughs> not in this life. He used that sigma term. You know, hopefully what you at least do is your average goes towards 100%, and it also that the deviation is less. I love it. This guy's had the training. <laughs> awesome. Okay. All right. He used the word deviation. He just, he just, he, he, oh, man. Okay. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> so... Yeah, people, uh, now the reason, main, a reason or that we would talk about this, now to us maybe now, because we've been talking about sanctification for six or eight weeks, we're like, uh, no, Sheldon, we know, you, uh, if that's your point, we already covered that, right? It's not going to end in this life. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so uh, I think our, our just we're going to touch on this a little bit more today because actually a lot of folks have the idea that it it does or can and uh, so we we should be a little bit aware of the fact that some folks have an idea that it can that there's um, various mechanisms like if you're totally indwelt like after after you're saved and at some later point you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and when that happens there's no room for sin okay and you won't be for example, now, why, you know, I can't, I'm not going to give a big defense or explanation of where that might come from, but um, it's out there. And uh, in fact, uh, there was a, a big movement in the 1700s in Christianity called the Holiness Movement, where this, this, this theology kind of came in and was like, well, if, the, you know, if there's any kind of much indication of sin in your life, then you must not be saved. Because if you were saved and if you if you worked on it hard enough, there would be a point where you'd be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and you'd, you'd be pretty much on cruise control around sin. You could easily bat down any temptations. Okay? It would not seem like a war. It wouldn't it wouldn't be like you're bun- you're in a bunker and have you know pop up and shoot, it would be like there's a fly and you just swat it. <laughs> okay. That, that's where you could be and that's where you should be and if you're not there, it's on you. Okay. You need to get there. So, uh, and you should be concerned that perhaps or right, right this minute, you're not actually saved. Like you better not hope. You be- you've got to hope that you better not be dying anytime well, this is your situation. You need to get it back in the groove. So that to us seems, you know, I think we're past that line of thinking. We're not thinking like that. We're not going to be tempted to think like that. But we should be aware that that thought process is there. And we think about, and it's really specific to sanctification. It's got, it's something they call it Christian perfection. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's another version of what is sanctification. So uh, let's think about uh, uh, something. Let's think about that. We know to that argument, the Bible says, nope, 
nope, that's not how it works. Uh, we can expect, we're not going to get to the point where we can just easily bat down temptation. And if people ask us when was the last time we sinned, we'd be like, On the drive in? No, not lately. <laughs> so uh, that we're, that's not, uh, if we're talking about expectations, we're not expecting to arrive in that position. Uh, and um, so let's just do a little more review. Romans 8.1, this verse I think we've looked at a lot. I'll just read it. Oh, no, we haven't really looked at this verse very much. Let's look at Romans 8.1. I was thinking of another verse. Romans 8.1. One of my favorite verses. If you're ready to read that to us, just give me the high sign. Okay, thanks. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Boom. So I'm holding that up as one of the many verses in the Bible that says, uh, if you're in Christ Jesus, uh, you're saved. There is no, there's no condemnation. Okay, we've used the, we've used the thief on the cross as an example of somebody who did not have any kind of sanctification experience, like anything like that. Some people might expect, where you know, there wasn't time for it. There wasn't time, but he was in Christ Jesus, so he was saved. And uh, if we're in Christ, we are saved. So we've said that. And then over there, a couple pages over, over Romans 13, 11. So that kind of does away with that idea that if, just because, if I sinned late, yesterday, like big time, does not mean that I'm not saved. Because obviously my sanctification must have gone away. Okay, and I've got to get it back. Does not mean can't mean that. So what's who's got Romans thirteen, eleven? <coughs> Raise your hand if you'd like to read it. Okay. Uh, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Okay, now Paul. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That's confusing. Yeah. So what's he talking about? Well, he, it's, in the, it's kind of in the first uh, part of the verse a little bit. Uh, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake, wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, it goes on to say. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. In fact, then it goes on to, ex to exhort us uh, in sanctification. Mm -hmm. little, if you just keep reading, uh, it's... it's uh, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness or in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desires. Like our whole course. Our whole course in like two verses. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, there's this. I picked this one because this is like where we're, we're being saved or we're, where we will be completely saved. Right? But we're not there yet. So we have this progression this thing talks about. And it's, 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 he's talking that whole passage about sin in the life of the Christian. So then let's look at Romans, back to Romans 8, Romans 8, 23. So we're being saved. And now in Romans 8, 23 through 25, who can read that? Go ahead. 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruit. Did I take yours? Hey, go ahead. It doesn't matter. First fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. 
But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And then there's verse 29, which I'll read. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. So this is talking about the redemption of our bodies, the firstborn of many brothers. The birth there is the resurrection into a resurrection body, a glorified body. So we will be saved. So it's like we've said in the class, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. And uh, so it does start on regeneration. It does progress to some extent or another in this life. And then in the next life, that uh, resurrection body, that glorified body, the mortal will put on the immortal, and we will be savedy saved. <laughs> savedy saved. Then the battle will be over. There won't even be any flies to bat down. It's going to be a different world. Mm-hmm. A world with no tears, none of the effects of sin in our lives or in our world. Pretty amazing thought. So we we don't expect that until then, but we do expect it. Um, Want to look at First Peter? Let's go over to First Peter one three through seven. First Peter one three through seven. This time I'm gonna let Jeremy read. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> 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 he wants to read. He really wants to read. He, he does. He, he keeps raising his hand. Because that kid in the class that always raises his hand. <laughs> that was me. That was me. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. Okay. So, uh, all right. So this is First Peter one three through seven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold than perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. So when as we just when I read that verse, I mean it's that's passage, it basically speaks to this already, not yet. Mm-hmm. We're born again to a hope. Uh through the, our hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the dead. So both our birth and our hope are through that, which makes sense. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, therefore we can expect to be raised. It's not a promise that God can't make that we would be raised, that we would have a new body like His at that time. Um, waiting, however it says, waiting kept in heaven we are waiting it's kept in heaven i love this when it says in verse five we us who by god's power are being guarded through faith no one can pluck them from my hand this idea that sin in your life means you've become unsaved right is inexplicably popular i don't i don't understand the basis for it it seems to counter many scriptures. And uh, this one in particular, I feel that, that our salvation, we can feel that our salvation, we can know that our salvation in scripture is guarded by God. And that that body, in essence, that what we will be is essentially our inheritance is kept by God in heaven, away from anything that can take it away. So, um, that's there. Interesting, in First Peter, he reminds us, so we can rejoice in that. 
um, it does it, it can be not only a a hope for relief, but it can be a joyous hope, even though we wish we could get some relief in this life. In some circumstances, these people were being persecuted uh, for their faith, actively persecuted. So, um, grieved, he says, by various trials. But that might, that, that grieved by various trials goes beyond active persecution, right? Grieved by various trials includes being, being includes our sin. Like when we when we're tested and we fail, when we're tempted and we f- sin. Like Paul said, I don't do the things I want to do. Happen to him, happens to us. We're grieved. That word grieved is it's like man. How did I do that? That's, that's the Holy Spirit in us convicting us, but it's also what he's done in us that we know it already. Yeah. Right? He's changed our heart to be more sensitive to sin, and he's making us more and more sensitive to our own sin. Okay, so um, <clears throat> to me, this, this, this is another description of the Christian life in, the, in, the, in, the, in our current state, but also with respect to the hope that we have why we can uh, rejoice in the fact that we are saved even when we are grieved by sin. Mm-hmm. And I think the Holy Spirit, that experience, conforms us to the image of His Son. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we know Christ was grieved by sin. We're more like, the more we are grieved by sin, the more like Him we are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's another passage in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10. It's probably on the same lines. Who would like to read that? Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Mm. It's encouraging. It is encouraging. Uh, I think... If we're thinking we can get to the position where we can bat down temptation like a fly, we don't have to worry about it much, we can have a hard time thinking about the last time we've sinned, we're underestimating this devil <laughs> prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes on my phone there's these little short videos who, I don't know who started this, but they have wasted a lot of my time. <laughs> <laughs> Little short videos, and one of them I recall is there's this uh, lion. There's a lion, and he's like, just kind of, it looks like he's just lying there, thinking, what's this about? And all of a sudden, this, you know, wildebeest or something comes running into the screen from the, le- uh, the side, and this lion just like, like I didn't know anything could move that fast. This thing's going by at 40 miles an hour, and this lion just takes it down and then gets trampled by a bunch of other little beasts. I think that's why it's a funny video. All right, so the uh, <clears throat> uh, so this uh, we're here, we're waiting in our, our mortal bodies. We're living with our inherent desire to please ourselves, our fleshly nature, our sin nature, our old man. We've been born again but we're still in the same house with our old self. And uh, we have the constant desire to please ourselves. And we're waiting in the world. We're living in this world, which is constantly looking for a chance to uh, have us join in sin. Sin is everywhere. It's advertised. 
right? We are being pulled. Our, our, our sin nature is being appealed to constantly. Maybe that's the way to put it. Our sin nature is being appealed to constantly in this world because we live in this world and this world is ruled by that same lion person who's called the prince of the power of the air or the lord of this world. It's, he's ruling this world. And he and his uh, cohort are roaming around trying to do damage, perhaps in particular to Christians, just to, just to spite God. It's one of his favorite things to do. Okay, so we're in that. It's not going to be like batting down flies. It's never going to get like that. So that's, that's where we live. Um, and just a couple more things. James 1, 14. Probably starting to just wear this out. But let's read James 1, 14. It's after Hebrews, I think. Yeah, there it is. This is what happens to us. How's it go? But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah, so that's what we got on board. We've got this. Uh, we've got this desire to sin, to desire to please ourselves, and um, we we will struggle. Ephesians six ten through eighteen. We do no time. We're almost there. Galatians, Ephesians. 6, 10 through 18. That's a lot of verses. Who can read that one? I'll read. Okay. It was 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. All right. So we've got... On the one hand, we have powerful enemies. On the other hand, we have very powerful friends. <laughs> very powerful friends. More powerful friends. Are uh, <coughs> the Holy Spirit in us is able to enable us to defeat this? All these things are, are all our enemies. Our own flesh, the world, the devil. All coming at us. He calls them fiery darts. He calls temptations fiery darts. So let's not think they're flies. Okay. They're fiery darts. But by, 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 Walking in the Spirit, see this whole description here of putting on the whole armor of God is a description of how to walk in the Spirit. What, 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 what's one way of thinking about how to walk in the Spirit? Well, one way is to think, this is like right here, a little catalog. 
of things to do that are, are, are about walking in the Spirit. It's abiding in Christ. It's like realizing that we're attached, we're, we're attached to the vine. We're a branch, but we're attached to the vine, and our power comes from the vine. It's the vine's power, not ours. Okay? But it's very powerful. And it enables us to just, it's like armor. The fiery darts just bounce off. Not because we have the power, we've achieved the ability to swat them down. But no, because we're protected by walking in the spirit, by the, this armor that comes with that. So, no, so the dart bounces off. We don't sin. The fiery dart is ineffective. So stuff that we we didn't we didn't used to come in and poke us and make us bleed. Now, more often, the armor bounces it off, mm-hmm. and uh, they keep coming. You know, especially if it's been a especially if it's a good shot in the past. Like if you're playing that game. The, bas- the horse game in basketball where you go to, you go to the shot you know you can make. And you hope they can't, right? So you, the devil goes to the shots that have worked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and we're always, we ourselves in our flesh are always vulnerable. Always vulnerable. So we will keep having to, to deal with this till our, till our first day, not in this life. Okay, so um, now we're almost out of time, but a couple more questions. Um, what are what? Suppose we were thinking about this idea that we could get to where we could easily bat down sin, temptations, and we couldn't remember the last time we'd sinned. There were quotes in the material of people who said, "Yeah, that's it. That's me." I haven't sinned in years. I'm a successful graduate of the holiness movement. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so what are the what are the dangers in that? In in having that belief, the thinking of that thinking uh, of ourselves as basically graduated from sanctification in this life. We're not we're not we're above ninety, we're hitting a hundred. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the last. I can tell you one of the dangers. It sounds like would be that you might start taking off your armor, which you can't do. You take off your armor. You're also obviously blind to your own sin. Yeah, you must be blind to your own sin. What is it? The Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah. Says this about the human heart. Des- desperately wicked and de- deceitful. Who can know it? Who can know it? <laughs> Who can know it? So self-deceived, right? That self-deception, which is like they, like they, they. This we have a phrase for people who are uh, drunk that they're ten foot tall and bulletproof, <laughs> right? Picking fights with bigger people. <clears throat> Sheldon, that art is drunk. <laughs> I have a good verse for you. Yes. First John 1 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Right. Self deception. And the truth is not in us. She just stole that. Stole my verse. <laughs> That's the verse at the end of the question. I'm saying there are. Could you read that again? Because we're about to read that. <laughs> if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Because that, Sheldon, real quick, that's a precursor to, there are some passages that follow that, that a lot of people, I don't know if people in the holiness movement, but those that that sort of subscribe to that kind of thinking will use is it, First John lays out, like, and if there's sin in you, you're not in Christ, and mm-hmm. if you're not doing these things, you, like, you're not, and it's, there's a particular way to interpret that, mm-hmm. but what's so funny is they go to that, but that verse is right before it, <laughs> that literally says, if you say there is no sin in me, then you deceive yourself. And yeah. you know, it's just, 
Yeah. A lot of times we're so quick to sort of pull out a reference yeah. without looking at the broader context Absolutely. or even the verse or two that comes after or before. Yeah. This perfect verse that we think just totally proves our point. Yes. Usually the verse before it or after it <laughs> sort of helps frame it up better. And Dan, either way, you said that verse 10 says, um, even worse than verse 8, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Yeah. And his word is not in us. So we have. Should we say thank God for that? Thank God for that. <laughs> Self deception, um, pride, um, <clears throat> well, judgmentalism, uh, thinking that I don't, I don't sin anymore. What's wrong with you? I'm, I'm a graduate of the holiness movement, but you're not. Since, since uh, you're not, not sinning yet. Uh, and, uh, and then what happens when you do sin? What happens when you do sin? If that's your mindset. Tried it. Oh, it's not that bad. You would try to hide it. You would maybe rationalize it. Uh, if you're a... You, you could be deeply convicted. I mean, you could be disillusioned. Right, you could be disillusioned. Like, I'm not. I must not be saved. I must not be saved. And uh, how am I, I? You know what? I'm not. I don't think I can. I don't think I can be saved. I can't maintain this. Despair. So uh, it become. It could become a hopelessness that you that a person might be in. If that's their expectation of what sanctification leads yeah. to or should lead to or proves that you're saved by leading to then you're the, the person is set up for uh, disillusionment perhaps even just abandoning the faith I'm not I'm not good enough I can't be saved I think that comes from a root misunderstanding in this finished yeah what is yeah. the goal? Is it to be independent from God? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> absolutely not. The opposite. No. That's right. Growing yeah. into a deeper awareness of sin where he's constantly peeling back the layers mm -hmm. and you're realizing how much is deep down in there. You're not going to go, you're not going to arrive at a place where you don't need God. You're going to arrive at a place where you realize that he is keeping you, you together and that you need him so moment. much. Yeah. That you need him so much. In fact, when I think of people, um, brothers and sisters that I've, you know, had the privilege to know, who I would, you know, who I think have, have walked in the Spirit for many years and um, lead what I would call exemplary lives, like when the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, you know, this is what it looks like. He wasn't holding himself up as as having completed it, he was holding himself up as, these are some pretty good things to do to abide in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, this, all this advice he's been given in all these letters, yeah, do, you know, try it. <laughs> so, you know, he's, uh, <clears throat> when I think of people like this that I've known in my life, if you, you know, when I, those people also had the highest awareness of their own dependency on God. Yeah. They, it, it was almost like a, you know, like for example, spending time in the Word. It made them realize that they needed God more, so they spent more time in the Word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it made them more and more sensitive to sin, which is one reason I think that it was harder to identify sin in their lives if you tried to, because they were really sensitive to it. And, uh, but it was, it never got less to, to them than a fiery dart. And they were never, they never did not despair if they sinned. They never did not despair over sin in their lives. And they were, they were like in that Romans passage we met, they were groaning for the next life because they knew full well how hard this one is in our situation of already, not yet. And, um, <clears throat> and the, the, the longing to be free 
of sin. Knowing, I mean, it's knowing more and more how, appreciating more and more the Holy Spirit, more and more convicted. You know, how do you get more and more convicted of something, right? You realize more of its depth. So it becomes, it's kind of like, it's really, it's that example of, you know, the more I sensitive I am, the more I realize how much help I need. Exactly. So, um, so we will see. We will see if we walk in the Spirit, if we put on the whole armor of God, if we abide in Christ, we do all the, we do these things in the power of the Spirit. That the, by being born again, we are able to do now. We are empowered to do. We will, we will see evidence of the Spirit's work in our lives. And we will, but we'll also see <laughs> that we never finished. <laughs> and that even if we're, even if we, even if we know there's stuff we used to do that we don't do anymore, we'll be keenly aware of the stuff we do keep doing. Yep. And we'll be keenly aware of our need for the Spirit to work in us. And what will we be doing? We'll be praying. Um, there's a 1 Thessalonians 4. I'll read this one. 1 Thessalonians 4. If I can find Thessalonians. It's in here. It's right in here. It's after Ephesians. After Colossians. 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 through 3. All right. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in... Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. <clears throat> so, we will, we, it is a more and more thing. It is, uh, there is more and more fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we are transformed into the image of His Son from one degree to another, like in Corinthians. Transformed into the image by one degree of glory to another. Um, okay, I think we're out of time and out of material. Any questions, thoughts? It's just—it's fun. It's—it's it's interesting to look how he opens up Thessalonians because he gets to that point and instructs us and behooves us to do these things. Mm -hmm. But he opens it up by reminding the people, for we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in the word but also in power and the Holy Spirit and convict and in, with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. So he tells them that they are chosen, yet then says, but you must still do these things. Mm -hmm. So it's, Paul always opens it up that way to them. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, like we read in, uh, gosh, was it First Peter? Yeah. Yep. All right, in fact, you know what? I'm going to read that again. First Peter 3, <laughs> and we'll pray. I think this was the one, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen.
right, let me pray. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for this time this morning, uh, Lord, for your word, uh, Lord, for your, your watch care over us, your protection of us, Lord, for your spirit in us. Lord, I pray that you would powerfully work in our hearts every day to cause us to abide in Christ, to be sensitive to our own sin, to uh, repent and confess and repent and, and Lord, uh, continuously seek your power and not attempt to do this in our own power. Lord, thank you again for our time together in, in your word and for our time of worship and the message to come. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.